You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, covering down on all of the issues. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Boom shakalaka, we are in hour number three. Wow. How did this happen? Man, it flew by today. (laughs) I'm saying, I mean, I feel like we were just talking to Stephanie Smith a minute ago, and all of a sudden it's four (laughs) o'clock. I don't know what's happening. Um Woo. But uh, but I, 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 to me though that's the that's the hallmark of a good show when you're when the flow is so good that you lose track of the time. It's um if it weren't for you holding the finger up to show me that I've got to go to a break I, I wouldn't <laughs> I'd still be talking go to, go to a break I'd still be talking about the non-binary <laughs> fake Indian uh, you know who has the art queer art tattoo parlor in Wisconsin <laughs> getting five thousand dollars a for a ten week oh my goodness whatever I don't anyway. But had some textures on the line, by the way, Dustin from Hazel Green with regards to the um, the uh, transgender guy uh, uh, ice skating in Finland says that's not sad. That's Darwin. OK, I, I get what he's saying. He's saying survival of the fittest here that that, that one's not going to make it. But it's still it's still one of those where I look at it and think somebody should have spoken truth to that person and not put them in the position. I mean, literally, it was so it was so it was so awkward that you you watched it. They she, I mean. The, the, the person came out there on the ice and immediately thought, what's happening? And then began to skate under a spotlight, you know, so she had a, he had a spotlight. Mm. And um, so was the sole focus of attention and just crashed and burned. Wow. Uh, Mel from Huntsville says the trans ice skater looked like he lost a bet and that was his fraternity brother's <laughs> idea of punishment. It did. <laughs> oh. it, it did look like that. It's like, okay, this can't be serious. But yet it was. Uh, Kenny from Elkmont says, if there's no race, why do they need racial equity training? That's a great point. Oh, that is a great point. That's one of those where I look at the, like Kenny from Elkmont's text and go, why didn't I think to say that myself? Nah. That's a great point. If there is no race, then why do they need racial equity training? Hmm. It's all in the same thing. Racial equity training mandatory, which includes a portion that says race is a social construct is not real. But yet you've got to deal with it from an equity standpoint. That makes Man. no sense. I Yeah. Kenny from Elkmont may have just wow. gotten applause, please, for Kenny. Do you yeah, have some applause? That was, applause? That was worthy. Right here. That was, that was actually you, definitely worthy. Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you. <laughs> We're proud to have you in the audience. Uh, Badger from Athens just texted in. Says, my wife started listening last week and now is loving you. Thank y'all. Badger, we're glad to have her on board. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. There was one from John from Huntsville. It was a stupid story. It was a woman from Israel sued a TV station when the weatherman wrongly predicted a nice day and she got caught in the rain. She sued for $1,000, claiming the incident caused her stress, and she won. She won? Okay. Okay. First of all. I mean, come on. I'm not sure that's woke. That may just be a stupid story. That's just a stupid story. Like, we can't cure stupid. <laughs> like, you look at it and go. can't cure stupid. It's hard. It's hard to define some things. There's a fine line between hardcore and stupid. There's also a fine line between woke and stupid. And sometimes woke is stupid. But nonetheless. <laughs> and and that, I will say, that sounds to me like what they call a nuisance value. So there's a, there's a term of art we use 
uh, in the legal world where you settle a case for what's called the nuisance value. They're suing you for $10,000. It's going to cost you $15,000 to get it all the way to trial. You ask them if they'll accept $5,000 to go away, and they say yes. That's called the nuisance value. You gave them the nuisance value. It was a nuisance, and you paid them to get out of your life Got it. Uh, by nuisance saving money value. in the long run. Um, so I'm not going to be a bit surprised if, if the woman who apparently has <laughs> emotional trauma from a rainstorm that from she didn't rain. know was coming. Yeah. Um, golly, Bob. We're going to have to have disclaimers on. James Spann's going to have to have a weather disclaimer now. <laughs> I may be wrong. <laughs> yeah. What's the thing we do for lawyers? Uh, the, no representation made. The quality of weather-provided <laughs> services is equal to the quality of legal weather-provided <laughs> services at the next station down the road. Um, all right, we're switching gears. Got to. Got to. Serious business. And it is serious business. On a war footing. This is number three of the Triple Dipper. I'm calling it on a war footing. What does that mean? Well, a war footing means you're leaning forward in the foxhole. You are literally in a position where you believe that there is something imminent, and so you're getting ready. Or you're watching world events, and you're keeping an eye on the horizon. And, and listen, uh, this is not meant to be a warmonger-type presentation, all right? I'm going to recount to you what's being said in the news, what's being said by senior officials in the military and out. It's ominous in some ways, uh, but I'll, I'll just caveat by saying everybody who's ever had the requirement, the need, the, the opportunity or whatever to go to war, generally speaking, doesn't want war. Um, and I think that's, that's very true here, certainly true on this show. Um, but push too far and we'll be there. And like we said earlier in the monologue, uh, to push too far, and by God, somebody else is going to be raising your children. But right now, we got situations brewing in the world that are, that are pretty ominous. The first story I've got came out uh, over the weekend. Uh, it came out Saturday. U.S. News and World Report has a piece that was first run by Reuters. U.S. four-star general warns of war with China in 2025. Okay, so here's the thing. I will caveat this by saying this was apparently an internal memorandum, a, a leadership piece, if you will, by a senior leader to his subordinate leaders, letting them know why it's so important to get their training online. So first of all, I appreciate that. Secondly, what's happened now is since he put this in writing like he did, it's becoming a news story because he's a four-star general. So this is a four-star general, Mike Minahan, who commands Air Mobility Command. By the way, AMC, Air Mobility Command, is a major command, as evidenced by the fact that their commander has four stars. But a four-star U.S. Air Force general says in a memo that his gut told him the United States would fight China in the next two years. Comments that Pentagon officials said were not consistent with American military assessments. I hope I'm wrong, says General Mike Minahan, who commands the Air Mobility Command, as he wrote to his leadership of roughly 110,000 members. But my gut tells me we will fight in 2025. It goes on to say in the article, um, the general's views do not represent the Pentagon, but show concern at the highest levels of the U.S. military over a possible attempt by China to exert control over Taiwan, which China claims is a territory. Both the U.S. and Taiwan will be holding presidential elections in 2024, which creates an opportunity for China to take military action, Minahan wrote. So what he's saying there is this. We are a nation in which the civilian leadership of the military is paramount, is part of our, um, is part of our constitutional mandates. There is civilian leadership of the military. And when you have a presidential election, it begins to create flux and distraction. Well, it's not going to be just us, but Taiwan is also having their own presidential election at the exact same time. 
I'm a firm believer that the military can walk and chew gum at the same time. Will it be a distraction? Potentially. Does it mean that there won't be the ability to uh, uh, do what is necessary? No. But what it does mean is that while President Biden uh, is out on the campaign trail, it makes it harder for him to exert command and control. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how much command and control he could exert right now anyway. But what they're saying here is there will be a um, distracted level of leadership in both countries, Taiwan and the U.S., and that our near-peer adversary being China, uh, the, the rising threat on the world stage, the most aggressive posture we have in the world right now besides Russia, which Russia is focused mostly on Ukraine, but Russia is also a bad actor in general other places, Syria being one. What we're seeing right now, though, is that China is being considered more and more of not just an adversary, but an actual foe. So that article right there came out over the weekend. The next day, during the Sunday uh, afternoon talk show, or Sunday uh, talk shows, on Fox News Sunday, Congressman Mike McCall, who is the chairman, the new chairman of Foreign Affairs, House Foreign Affairs Committee in the House of Representatives, he was on with Shannon Bream. His response to General Minahan's comments, he said, I hope he's wrong, but I think he's right. McCall said that if China failed to take control of Taiwan bloodlessly, meaning like just a coup, that they're going to look at a military invasion, in my judgment, and we have to be prepared for this. And he accused the Democratic administration of President Joe Biden of projecting weakness, especially in the wake of the bungled pullout from Afghanistan, which could make a war with China more likely because they feel empowered. He says the odds are very high that we could see a conflict with China and Taiwan and the, in the Indo-Pacific, McCall said. That's from Newsmax, stated Sunday, yesterday. Um, so, folks, this is, this is getting serious. But when you look at it, I got other stories here that we're going to go through, not just about us, but here's one more, though, about the possibility of a conflict with China. And I look at this one, and part of me says this article almost feels like a plant to help the uh, military-industrial complex make more money. <laughs> Call me cynical. But Fox Business came out with a story yesterday. So there's a new report by the Center for Strategic and International Studies, CSIS, a 44-page report that warned that U.S. military stockpiles of key munitions and the capacity of our industrial base to ramp up as needed could mean that we would burn through our existing precision weapon stockpiles in less than a week in a potential war with China, meaning we, we, we don't have enough not only in stock but, but industrial capacity to up the stock in a surge moment. True or no true, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I, don't have any, I don't have anything other than this article to tell me what's what on that. Now, my sense is the military-industrial complex is ready to make money tomorrow if necessary, and they're saying that they want to make more, but they don't want to do it for free, obviously. They want to get paid. Capitalism. But the senior vice president at CSIS, Seth Jones, says the bottom line is the defense industrial base, in his judgment, is not prepared for the security environment that now exists. He says it's better suited to a peacetime environment. But how do you effectively deter if you don't have sufficient stockpiles? And he went on to say, again, Chairman Mike McCall of the House Foreign Affairs Committee said in the same interview that I quoted a moment ago on Newsmax, in this case, he said he's very worried about the situation. He says our industrial defense, our defense industrial base is broken. He said, I signed off on foreign military weapon sales three years ago that have yet to go to Taiwan. We need that deterrence. But if we don't have the weapons, that's critical. And McCall noted that Congress had approved additional funding. Anyway, it goes on to say about the fact that 
literally, we're looking at a bipartisan call for upping the military-industrial complex to make sure that we are ready and stockpiled, and we also have the capacity to surge in the event that it's necessary. Will we have a war with China in 2025? Lord, I hope not. Senior leaders are saying, get your training in line. Senior officials are saying, get your logistics in line, because right now on the world stage, we need to make sure that we're ready. All right, we're going to come back, and I'm going to talk about some things that relate. Like, what are we sending to Ukraine? And what did one senior military official in the U.S. say to the British about their own capacity? And who attacked the Iranian weapons factory most recently? And have you heard about the Wagner Group? I'll tell you about them when we get back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. I'm not sure how we did this, but Boomer and I got to talking about the nastiness of raising kids sometimes. <laughs> we did. We did. And we, we, we go all the way up until the very last second right we're, before we were all there. We're talking about <laughs> diapers gone wrong, if you know what I'm saying. Like, like we, we could do a, we could do a whole. We could do, oh my gosh. <laughs> The things, the things that we do for our kids, you mm. know. Oh my gosh! Oh, I'm yes. just anyway. I, I, oh, oh yes, I totally. Die. Let me get myself back in the game here, boom. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, looking over the text line, I saw. By the way, <laughs> Boomer. Uh, uh, yeah, Leanne from Huntsville heard I you sneeze. Yeah, she says. Uh, she says, "Did Boomer sneeze? Bless I, you." I did. I'm sorry. I I just had one coming, and I, and I turned off my mic, so that was yeah. good. <laughs> Alex from Elkmont has heard me talk about raising kids. He says, sticky kid hands. Yes, I get it. And you make them make you wonder why they're sticky. Uh, Brian from Huntsville says, as a former M1A1 tanker, why are we sending main battle tanks without sufficient air superiority? I don't know because uh, he may be referring to the fact that a story broke just a few minutes ago while we were on the air. I say a few minutes ago. I, I saw it a few minutes ago, but I think it's brand spanking new like during the show that the Biden administration says it will not be sending F-16s. Um, does that mean they're sending something else? I don't know. I mean, they're talking about you know mothballing our A-10 flight uh, uh, fleet, but I, I don't know what's going to happen with that. But uh, and I hope not. By the way, I love the A-10. Uh, but so Brian, to answer your question, I don't know because yeah, you know what? Combined arms is the way to go. You're going to want uh, air superiority to match uh, ground superiority. Um, who knows, Brian? I don't want to tell you, man. Uh, but but I also look at it too, though, and I think. Maybe what they're looking at is the the systems on the F-16 would have to get totally retooled for the language barrier and the things that are necessary so that we don't send over classified, you know, uh, uh, materials. I, I don't know, Brian. I'm speculating. But uh, it may also be that they're waiting on Poland or somebody else to send something of an equivalent uh, for them to use um, that uh, is not a an F-16. So who knows? Uh and, and by the way, will we send attack helicopters? I don't know. Uh, I don't know where we're going with this. Uh, Tony from Piedmont says logistics is everything in a war with no glory. That's, that's exactly right. You can't get the beans and bullets to the front line. Guess what? The war comes to a grinding halt. Uh, if you look at the Battle of the Bulge, 
in World War II. Um, it was superior fighting force on the American side, but it was also the fact that the, the Germans outran their gas uh, logistics. Like they, didn't, they, they could no longer fuel their tanks. That was a big part of the problem uh, and why the Battle of Bulge came down to it. Uh, logistics are a huge deal. Um, uh, Jeff from Indiana says he smells a class action lawsuit against Alexandria Cortez and the global warming alarmists to say we only got 12 years left. I don't know where this comes from or why that sparked that one, but all right, Jeff, but I'm not your lawyer on that one. I'll just tell you. Um, all right. Hey, listen, uh, uh, Tony from Piedmont. Yeah. Pre-prep of fleets and equipment just waiting. Um, yep. I, I agree, man. Listen, but what's, it's not just us. It's not just us story here on Fox news. Um, dated yesterday. U.S. general warns the British Army is no longer among the world's top-tier fighting forces. Ooh, that had to be. I mean, if that's a serious conversation. The interesting thing is I don't think they cite the name of the so-called U.S. general. It says a senior U.S. general has recently warned U.K. Defense Secretary Ben Wallace that the British Army is no longer considered to be among the world's top ten fighting forces, according to a Sunday report. I don't know that I would agree with this, but anyway. Says a source told Wallace that decades of cuts to Britain's military defense has eroded the country's fighting capabilities. The source is quoted as saying, bottom line, it's an entire service unable to protect the UK and our allies for a decade. Wow. Um, this would be interesting. It, but again, it's, it's, a, it's an unnamed U.S. general. It says the U.S. general is also said to have told Wallace that the UK military is not a tier one fighting force like the United States, Russia, China, or France, and is barely in tier two. Now, I don't think we're seeing tier one capability out of Russia in Ukraine right now. Uh, I don't know that we can say France is definitely there because, anyway, um, this is an interesting article. But it's a, you know, heavily cited article, but based upon, um, you know, unnamed sources, which I always speculative in my opinion. But nonetheless, we're looking at it. Early this month, it says, though, the Ukraine uh, recognized a need to modernize, but did also pledge to send Ukraine tanks after Kyiv again fell victim to missile strikes. Uh, and it goes on to say that the Ukraine's, uh, it was send Ukraine Challenger 2 tanks. That's their main battle tank. Um, we're gonna, speaking of tanks, we're going to come right back and keep this moving on a war footing. What else is happening? And yes, we are sending Abrams tanks to Ukraine. But are we sending new ones or reserve fleet? Interesting. We'll talk about it when we get back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Hey, listen, before we go any further, I got to tell you, ZLA Solutions, one of our original sponsors, has been with this show since the very beginning, is having an amazing track record right now of connecting jobs and people. 
So they do all kinds of things at ZLA Solutions, business and solutions, things like quality containment, sorting and or quality control, sorting and containment, uh, warehousing, logistics. But they are bread and butter, man. Their bread and butter is uh, doing uh, staffing. They can they can get you the people that you need. So yes, if you need onesies and twosies, or you need an entire shift of people, blue collar, white collar, no collar, it don't matter. ZLA Solutions can help you find the people you need for the workforce that you need. They can do the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing, all of it. And it doesn't matter whether it's direct hire or temp. They help people left and right. They've got a major thing going right now, by the way. I mean, they do all kinds of different job sourcing, but they've got a a major hire right now for um, uh, a big-name employer at a new facility, take it for what it's worth, at Redstone Arsenal, high-tech jobs, well-paying. On their website right now, you can check it out. But yeah, ZLA Solutions, one of our original sponsors of the show. ZLA Solutions, you can find them at ZLAUSA.com. That's ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. And please tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. I'm in number three of the Triple Dipper on a war footing. We're talking about, you know, what's going on militarily, what is going on with readiness, what's happening in other places in the world. I told you that a moment ago, allegedly, one U.S. senior defense official uh, has told the U.K. British uh, uh, Minister of Defense that he does not believe that the uh, British Army is still a Tier 1 fighting force. That's, that's interesting. I hope that's not true. Um, I don't have anything more than just my experiences of interacting with them along the, on the years to, to say that I think they're, they're, they're still an outstanding fighting force, but, but, he's, but they, they say no, that it's not. Too many cuts. You've degraded the military to a point where it's no longer recognizable. I don't know if that's true or not. That's what the article says. I told you about the article a moment ago in which uh, one senior four-star commander, General Mike Minahan, the commander of uh, Air Mobility Command, sent out a memorandum to his subordinates letting them know that he believes that they better get their training online and, and provide a serious emphasis in readiness because, in his words, he believes that we could be at war with China in 2025. While at the same time, uh, a recent study came out um, for the Center for, oh gosh, what was the NCIS? I've forgotten anyway, but the bottom line, NSIS, is, um, is saying that we are at a deficit right now in our capabilities to provide the necessary logistics for some of our key weapon systems. That not only do we have a deficit in our stockpiles, but that we have a deficit in our surge capacity to uh, make our industrial military complex, uh, you know, bring it up to speed if we need more. Um, and then I've got this. Stars and Stripes, dated January 26th, which I believe is what, last Thursday or Friday, um, literally says uh, that there is a, um, uh, a push right now, of course, for the Abrams tanks to be provided to Ukraine, but that our U.S. military has no spares. And this is not what I've been hearing. I, I thought we were sending them refurbished M1A2s. Which, you know, M1A2s is still a very current model, and depending upon which version of the M1A2 you get. But, but right now, this particular official who is the Deputy Pentagon Press Secretary, Sabrina Singh, says new Abrams tanks will be purchased by the U.S. to supply to Ukraine because the Defense Department does not have any spares. What happened to our stockpiles? What happened to our prepos? What happened to our refurbishing? I, I don't know. Somebody who's more tank-centric can, can text me and tell me what's up. But Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin recommended to President Joe Biden to obtain the tanks through this Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative, a funding program that procures military equipment from industry rather than from existing Defense Department stocks. 
Huh. So that's the recommendation being made because, in her words, we just don't have these tanks available in our excess U.S. stocks. Singh also said Ukraine will get 31 modified M1A2s, which is the newest and most sophisticated version that first entered service back in the 90s, and goes on to say, but then there's also, there are certain classified armor and armament packages and even sighting packages that can come, and the federal policy forbids the U.S. from sending classified packages to other countries. So we'll see. But then they go on to say, and here's the thing, you know, the announcement made, we're going to send M1 tanks. Great. How long is that going to take? Because we know, and, I, and I've forgotten who it was that, that told us the other day, it may have been uh, Brian from Huntsville, but that, that we could be looking at 90 days just to train somebody. Well, that's, first you have to get them, then you got to train them, then you got to have the log trains, the logistics to support them. you got to have the backup spare parts. Pentagon officials have said it will be several months before Ukraine receives the tanks. Some experts speculate they might not even see them until late 2023 or early 2024. And then, yeah, she says what I said a moment ago. These tanks are going to require training, maintenance, sustainment. It's going to take a very long time. This is this is not an overnight deal. This is not a, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> same-day delivery by Amazon.com. It ain't going to happen. Um, we got Brian on the phone? My tank man. All right. Brian from Huntsville. How you doing, bud? Mighty fine. I hope you gentlemen are doing okay. We are. What's up, man? What you got? Well, uh, one thing is uh, the 3rd Armored Cavalry Regiment, is no longer the third armored cavalry regiment that because it went to third back to third cavalry regiment because of strikers. So all those tanks went someplace. Well, that's and a, a lot of times, yeah, and a lot of times these tanks go to National Guard units, and then they replace old vehicles there. That's a great point. Um, but don't we also have like pre-post stockpiles in Europe and other places where we've got a whole warehouses and, and boneyards full of uh, uh, Saudi Arabia? Saudi yeah. Arabia, yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of places and then boneyards with those things. Well, but, I, uh, I'm just curious. And by the way, Third ACR. Yes, I was very familiar. Uh, family member was in in there when it was Third CR most recently, uh, and and they in fact they were they were with Strikers. Um, but you're right. That's that's an entire you know conversion of a big chunk of a cavalry regiment into a you know basically putting it back into a cav mode as opposed to an armored cav mode. Um, I don't know where so, they uh, went. Well, I, 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 there's a lot of M1s, not just M1A ones. There's a lot of M1s that had the 105 millimeter on them, not the 120 smoothbore, which matches up with NATO, and it's a German gun on there. Hmm. On the M1, and the M1A1 and A2, and that was the reason they went over to those. Well, somebody's going to somebody's going to make yeah. some money here if they're going to be building 31 brand new Abrams to send over. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I'm guessing it's not General Dynamics anymore. I don't know. I know GD is still very much involved, but uh, hang on, Boomer's talking. Okay. What you got? Hey, I actually have a question. How long does it take to build a tank? A, a tank. I, I I don't know the answer to this. Do you? Do you know? I, do, I don't know how long it takes to build one, but to get somebody ha- even modestly proficient in crewing one. You're talking at least nine to ten weeks, and that's just to get them to where they can drive it and they can gun it. And, wow. Yeah, and that's not even cross-training on the, the different jobs within the tank, driver versus gunner versus TC Man. or whatever. Um, and, and then it takes a long time to make sure you don't flip a tank over in a uh, in a firing pit like I saw somebody do, too. Um, <laughs> oh, 
So yeah. it, 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 it takes more to be, it takes a little bit to be not even proficient, but to be functional, it takes longer to be proficient. Yeah. Well, we'll see, ma'am, because right now this article is saying they may not even get their Abrams until early next year at the latest. Um, well, then, then, then maybe they got the chance to get some air superiority in there. Send, send, send them some of our uh, A-10 Warthogs were retiring. Um, <laughs> I don't want to lose the A-10, though. The A-10, to me, is a, such a I such a beautiful thing. thing. I mean, just... I stood, before I, before I hit NCO, I stood guard duty on two at the, at the field at, out of El Paso at, in Fort Bliss. Many times before I became sergeant of the guard, so. and just just you, you watch them do gun runs on their practice ranges. Oh yes, and when I went to Reforger and everything, those little beasts were magnificent going <laughs> overhead and everything. Yeah, there's something comforting about seeing an A10 come overhead. But um, all right, Brian, you and I can just wax right. poetic hey, about this all day, man. You take care, I'll buddy. Let you go. All Thanks. right. Uh, I tell you what, let's do what you got, Boone. I got well. I just I just asked the Google about how long it took. <laughs> did you really? The I Oracle did. of Google gave you something. It did. What twelve did it say? to twelve to twenty four weeks. Twelve to twenty four weeks to build. That's going to build a upon, tank, depending on like all the options they're putting on it. Yeah, but also I'm sure to depend upon, you know, are the parts ready? Are they having to cast them? Correct. Uh, and then there was another one. I just you know typed in M1 Abram and it said five months to produce a single Abram. So if they're buying 31 new ones, <laughs> not using some that are right. ready. Off now the that shelf. could be completely wrong, but that's what the Google says. <laughs> Why don't we do this? Why don't we buy us 31 new ones yeah. and give them 31 old ones and say good luck, fellas? And and you know, and I, I guarantee, I guarantee you though, those 31 old ones will still be better than what the so- the Soviets, the Russians are putting on the field. Absolutely. Just my thoughts. And y'all were talking about boneyards. Yeah. Like I'm sure there's on the boneyards are those unworkable or are they no. just ones that ah we're just not using anymore no Anderson army depot right down the road that's yeah. part of their mission in life is to refurbish um uh armored vehicles that have been um, damaged or in some cases destroyed and they, they can even pirate the parts off of one and build another wow um so uh it's amazing what they do out there we need we need to get somebody from Anderson army depot on the show oh, that would be cool that would be cool all right we're just it's like we're just, we are go. we on the air we're just having a talk <laughs> just me and just you chatting. hanging out uh, hey, let's do this. I'm going to tell you real quickly, folks. Just Love Coffee Cafe uh, has, has got two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. And, and I'm just going to tell you right now, if you have not done this, you need to think about this. If you're one of those who gets you know, lunch where you can leave the office and go somewhere, the lunch menu at Just Love Coffee Cafe is epic good. And it's different. It's not like the usual. You're not going to get something that you're going to get anywhere else. I mean, like, picture your sandwiches, but they're toasted in a waffle iron, so they come out with that kind of waffly texture on them. And they've got wraps, and they've got soups, and they've got salads, and they've got all kinds of stuff you're not going to find anywhere else. On top of that, it's still Just Love Coffee Cafe. So, yeah, if you want the cappuccino or the espressos or the lattes or the fancy uh, uh, award-winning dry roast coffees that can grind the beans fresh, absolutely. All of that. Just Love Coffee Cafe. With an environment you're going to want to sit in, you can use the Wi-Fi. You can do your work there for a while if you want to. Just Love Coffee Cafe. Two locations in our listening area. One on Hughes Road in Madison. The other on South Parkway in Huntsville. Check them out. And do me a favor. When you're you're paying at the counter, tell them I heard about this on Right Side Radio. I I get the biggest kick out of folks telling me that they, they heard it there. 
All right, uh, Boomer, take us to the break. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back. I'll wrap up this section on a war footing. Did you hear about the uh, latest special operations raid in Somalia? You didn't? It happened this past weekend. I'll tell you about it. Stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right. Hey, um, I got to tell you real quickly, my friends at Riley and Jackson Law Firm, true, they are my friends. I know these folks personally. Uh, I've worked with them on issues. I've worked with them on cases. This is a solid law firm based out of Birmingham that operates statewide. And they've been working on some big stuff. Uh, so, for instance, one of them is if you are one of those who was at um, – uh, uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, anywhere between 1953 and 1987, big spread. Uh, if you were there during that time frame, you may have been exposed to contaminated water, known contaminated water. And I believe there's a window of time in which you have to apply for your claims because there's like 19 different illnesses that have been attributed to it. Or maybe for that matter, you're a dependent, not just a service member, but a dependent of a service member or a contractor, or you lost someone you love because of this. Yes, Riley and Jackson, they can tell you. They can talk you through it. They'll tell you on the phone, no charge for the call, whether or not you may or may not have a claim. And they don't get paid unless they get you paid. Same is true for any number of things they work on. They've, they've got like decades of, of, of good work out there helping people who have been harmed by the negligence of others to become whole uh, under the law. So Riley and Jackson Law Firm, here's their number. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to suggest you call them. Again, they won't charge you for the call. The number is 205-879-5000. That's Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. One of those law firms that I say is not just good on the law, they're good on the politics too, if you know what I mean. So Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. Here's that thing I got to do, remember? <sighs> no representation made of the quality of legal service before the quality of legal service before the lawyers. Well, that was fast, <laughs> and I didn't time it. <laughs> it's on the ones that I don't time. I, that's, I'm pretty sure that was my best one ever. <laughs> we'll I, find out. I feel I'm sure. Certain. Was it, is it JT that times it? I don't know. Someone well, times I say, it. Say, uh, maybe John from Huntsville, JT, somebody. Yeah. Uh, um, hey, listen, uh, back to finishing up our section here on, on a war footing. Number three of the Triple Dipper. NBC News, dated January 26th, which I believe was last Thursday. I mean, we've got troops in harm's way right now. A lot of folks forget that. We may not have the high-profile actions going on in Iraq, in uh, Afghanistan like we did, but we've got troops in Syria. Uh, we've got troops in dangerous conditions in Africa. we got, we got troops that are sitting on the border of uh, Ukraine right now. And we got special operations conducting a raid in northern Somalia to kill a senior leader of the Islamic State and 10 other ISIS fighters this past Wednesday according to two senior administration officials. It says Bilal al-Sadani, who the officials described as a key operative and a facilitator of the terror group's global network, was the target of the raid. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said in the statement that al-Sadani was responsible for fostering the growing presence of ISIS in Africa and funding the group's operations worldwide, including in Afghanistan. 
So this is a special operations mission. Uh, literally, apparently, they 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 built a mock-up. I mean, this is a full-on operation. They built a mock-up of the uh, of the village or wherever it was they were going. Uh, practiced for a great deal of time. Um, extensive rehearsals, it says. Uh, and then the operation, it says, not only yielded uh, the taking out of uh, the key leader and 10 other ISIS fighters, but also yielded a great deal of intelligence. They say our intelligence community expects to glean valuable information for this operation as well, demonstrating our continued emphasis on maximizing intel collection. Okay, all that to say, major raid. For them to issue the press release means it was a major raid with success. Clandestine in its efforts, overt in its results. We have troops in harm's way right now. And, you know, as we're on a war footing, let's not forget that the bad guys are still out there doing what they do. This was not something that we were helping another nation with something that we don't care as much about. No, this is ISIS operating in northern Somalia. And, and folks, we're, we're over there right now. We've got a, we've got, I assume we still have a base in the Horn of Africa. Um, and it's, it's in Djibouti. And it's just, it's amazing to me how many troops we have in harm's way, even now, as we talk about things like near-peer conflict in two years with China, we still have troops in harm's way right now. Story on MSN. Israeli drone attack on Iranian weapons factory was a phenomenal success, say sources. It says despite, this came out, by the way, uh, yesterday. Despite Iranian claims, the Israeli drone attack on Iran at Isfahan, which is a nuclear weapons base, uh, military industry factory, uh, was a tremendous success, according to a mix of Western intel and foreign sources. The Jerusalem Post initially reported that on its Sunday morning. So here's the thing. Iran's nuclear efforts are still very much underway. They are a destabilizing factor in not just the Middle East, but the world, but especially the Middle East. Iran being, if I'm not mistaken, Shia Islam, is at odds on a daily basis with Sunni Islam, which is often found in Saudi Arabia and other major uh, Arabic countries. And they are, right now, If the, 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 the sense is that if Iran goes nuclear, that Israel is immediately at risk, and oh, by the way, so is the rest of the Middle East, and there will be a Middle Eastern arms race that we may not want to see. So right now, what you're looking at is Iran's foreign ministry calling this a cowardly attack aimed at creating insecurity in Iran. Well, yeah, it was aimed at creating insecurity, but it wasn't cowardly because they literally struck deep within the boundaries of Iran. And Israel's playing mum. I mean, they're not saying much about it. Anglo say boo. But folks, I'm just telling you, stuff's happening every single day. And we need to make sure that we stay on a war footing, praying for peace, preparing for war. All right, folks, there's my perspective. What a good day. What a great day. Hey, I'm going to make a quick shout out to Alex from Elkmont and his son, Bryson. Awesome. I just wanted to give him a shout out. Glad they're there. Yeah. Appreciate you, Boom. Hey, this is a great, great show. Great guys. All right, guys. You have a great night. Boomer and I back here tomorrow, too. We'll see you then. (laughs) 